It's Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Jump in this hour of the show, 404-872-0750 with you for just another hour today. And Dave Baker already in the house for the Home Fix-It show. And then we have Belinda Skelton at Atlanta Living at 1 o'clock. And I believe she is on remote. She's out amongst um, out amongst our listeners. So I'm a little jealous she gets to be out live this weekend from Lakewood Antiques up and coming. So that's going to be exciting beginning at 1 o'clock I'm in the studio, 404-872-0750. Glad to be getting your calls. <laughs> up first is Judy in Jefferson. Hey, good morning, Judy. Welcome to the show. Hey, Ashley. Thank you. Yeah. I have a question. I have a blue million lightning bugs this year, but I don't have any hummingbirds. Last year I had, they were kind of almost dive bombing my <laughs> feeders. And this year, one or two here and there, maybe. You know, nothing at the feeders. They do. I've only had one or two, and I really haven't seen those. Wow. Um, and so, and, and I'm glad to hear you say in years past, you've had the feeders out, you've seen them. Yeah. Sometimes we'll get callers that are like, oh, no, I've, I've never had a feeder out, but I'm not seeing any this year. And I swear those little guys remember from year to year where yeah, there are secure and safe places, you know, to get nectar. So um, we've noticed some of those trends too. And again, Kirk Mellish and I were talking about that. He and I not in Northwest Georgia, not really noticing as many fireflies. He wasn't noticing as many hummingbirds. Of course, we've got the ruby throated here. We've got the little Rufus hummingbirds. Um, mm-hmm. So that could just be a migratory thing. There is a website, which is actually pretty fascinating, showing migrations and sightings as well. Hummingbirdcentral.com actually studies their migration patterns through mid-May, and then they stop then, collect the data, and they have I, they have it mapped out at this point now, the final 2021 migration map. And just to look at that in the southeast, Judy, it does look kind of sparse, like the New England area oh, okay. and even the Midwest looked a lot more dense in population from what they saw up through mid-May. Metro Atlanta did look, especially inside the perimeter, now you're way out in Jefferson, but um, it seemed that it's just not as as dense as it has been. So I'm not sure for the reasoning in that. That's very interesting. And we know that they migrate, you know, to Central America and Mexico for the cold months. We even have some that remain in Georgia year round, though, that can survive our our winters and things. So my advice to you would be maybe put an additional feeder out and also go a little earlier. I think it was about March that I began telling people, hey, now's the time to get those feeders out Clean up. Yeah. So March I is did. good because as long mm-hmm. as they come back, you're welcoming them the minute they, you know, welcome, they're welcome to the front door, like, hey, the feeder's out, ready to go for you. So you put them out before you start seeing the hummingbirds. Um, and making sure, too, that the water is staying clean. And I'm sure you do that, too, Judy, because it sounds like I you do. really, yep, you know how to and attack it. They get boiled water and organic sugar. Very good. Now, not powdered, <laughs> right, though, granular yep. sugar, right? Right, exactly. Perfect. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, too, with with the hotter the weather is, it seems like a lot of times the glass hummingbird feeders are a lot of times clear plastic. With that sun beating in through that container, a lot of times that will create more mold 
and more, you know, of the undesirable cloudiness that we that we get in those feeders. So you really want to change the water out about every week. And like Judy said, so easy to make your own, guys. It's four parts water, one part sugar. So if you have a smaller feeder, just cut that in half, maybe two cups of water is about what I do. And then a, f- a fourth a cup of sugar is all you need. It has to be granular, just plain white sugar. Um, just barely bring the water to a boil is really all you need to do. Stir in that sugar, let it cool. I put it in the fridge just to let it cool a little bit faster. Put it back out for the hummingbirds. And they're so happy. Those guys, they do so much work. And I know they come here to breed, and that may be occurring right now up until July. But did you know their heart beats up to 1,200 times a minute? And their wings are so fast. If you're a good photographer and you've actually been able to capture a great picture of a hummingbird, more power to you because the wings flap 15 to 80 times per second. Gosh, those are so great. So, Judy, great news, though. I mean, I'm glad you're seeing the uh, the fireflies, but the hummingbirds, that's a concern. Yeah, it is for me, too, because I just love them. But and, you know, it's, it's cool to hear them, too. You know, like you'll hear them before uh-huh. they come to the feeder when oh, they're up in the do. trees. And I'm like, okay, well, good. They're out yep. there somewhere. <laughs> yeah, last year they were so prolific that I had, you know, three of them maybe fighting for the feeders. And Gosh. I've got several feeders. And they would get right up close to my face sometimes. So whether you're anyway, whether you're wearing them. red or not, because some days right? I've noticed when I go out there yeah. with a red T-shirt, kid you not, that seems to attract yep. them. Right. Oh. But not this year. I missed them, but maybe next year. I hope so. And Judy, I'm really glad you called. Thank you for that. And thank you for being so observant. Yeah. So hummingbirdcentral.com, if you want to check out a little bit more about their, their counts and their migrations and things, I don't have a good explanation for why uh, up in the northeast part of the state, Judy may be seeing less. But yeah, I don't see, I certainly don't see three or four at a time. Um, at the feeder like I used to. That is such a bummer. And AtlantaFireflyProject.org is another one of those things we talked to Becky Griffin from the University of Georgia about in the last hour. If you're out there looking for hummingbirds, you're out there looking for the lightning bugs, turn that into something productive, especially for this research project, AtlantaFireflyProject.org. You just need two days this month to go ahead and count it. And the website gives you specific instructions on really how to count and what to look for. And also you're noticing how close they are to the ground. Are they up in the trees? Are they by plants? Kind of where these lightning bugs are located. And then you have to have two days worth of data that you've collected for July as well. And that's going to help uh, researchers from the University of Georgia learn a little bit more about fireflies. 404 8720750 is the number. Another question I got, and this is this is such a sad thing, and unfortunately it's really not super preventable. Um, But I got a message from Jim and a lot of folks wanting to spruce up their landscapes and make sure everything's just easy, set in place, ready if they're going to be selling their home, right? And that curb appeal, needing that house to look good and ready to go. Um, Notice that five out of his 12 knockout roses just really started looking sickly. So I had to ask Jim, well, when you say that, you know, what are we talking about? If, If the diseases are like a or the symptoms are a yellow, maybe mosaic type pattern appearing on the leaves. There's a lot more thorns than normal on the knockouts, abnormally shaped leaves as well. And then this is classic, that witch's broom, that really gnarly curled looking, you know, the the tips of the branches and the stems on the knockout roses and almost a different color instead of everything being flush and green. Obviously new growth as you kind of deadhead the knockouts, new growth is going to be that really pretty deep red color. But if there's a lot of that, some of that is a symptom of rose rosette. And I hated to tell Jim that, but that's what it sounded like to me. So then he came back and said, okay, well, if that's in fact the case, what if I just 
pull out maybe the four worst ones and quickly replace them because I want the landscape to look symmetrical, you know, and, and complete before putting the house on the market. So what if I just rip out the four worst ones and, you know, maybe use some bug killer or something like that, he said, and plop four roses right back in. Well, no, we're not going to be able to do that because rose rosette, it's a virus that's vectored by mites. So it's a virus that comes onto the plant, but the mites around the plant, the mites in the soil keep that virus in the environment. So unfortunately, rose rosette is right now contained to rose varieties, but with the mites in the soil, it could take them a couple of years to die out. So even though you think you have gotten the entire affected plant out of the ground, roots and all, every piece of root from that rose bush, there still could be pieces that remain in the soil. So it's never advisable for us to tell you to put roses back in that very spot. So there may be something else you'd want to try, maybe a gardenia or something like that that's going to be kind of quick to already, you know, establish things like that. I know azaleas are more seasonal with the attractiveness of the flowers in the spring and all of that. But roses definitely wait a couple of years before you really think about putting those back into the landscape once you have rose rosette. And to be sure that's that's what you've got. And I mean, yellowing of leaves, that could be a lot of different things. You could have beetles, uh, sawfly that are, you know, causing holes in the leaves and all that kind of thing. But rose rosette, you kind of know it when you see it. And uh, to be sure, though, you want to get in touch with your county extension office and they'll be able to look at it and determine that for you if you bring a piece or even to Pike Nursery, bring a piece of the affected plant. To find your county extension office, call 1-800-ASK-UGA-1 and know what county you live in and they'll be able to put you in touch with uh, with the county extension agent and then also the master gardener groups in your area as well. Some of the counties group together you know, and provide the master gardener classes and project and community gardens and things like that. But getting proper identification on some of these problems of your plant is going to be key in getting, you know, you're not wasting your money, you're not wasting your time being able to treat those. So 1-800-ASK-UGA-1 and also extension.uga.edu. Their website is a fabulous resource. You can read publications on everything to really better educate yourself if you're having a problem and you just don't know what it is. But you're always welcome to message me too on the Greeny Growing WSB Facebook page. That's how I have conversations with a lot of you trying to figure out what's going on in evergreens too. My goodness, whether it's uh, arborvitae or Leland cypress and browning and yellowing and my goodness, what a headache. That's usually an indication of some kind of watering issue. Um, and evergreens are just really tough to come back once they start browning. You can sometimes cut out the affected limbs, but, you know, they don't just grow new limbs. Evergreens don't like any other plants would, so that's always tough. But we'll try to work together to figure out what's going on. Going to take a break and check traffic and weather. We'll be back with the top three things you could do in the landscape this weekend. I know it's going to be wet, so I kept that in mind. And then coming up at 830, Pike Nursery with some Father's Day gift ideas. We're thinking outside the box here, folks. Not a shirt and tie or socks or anything like that. These are going to be some great ideas for you to pick up today. You've still got time. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. DeMarco on the other side of the window, bringing in those tunes. I love it. Something to get you a little pumped up for your Saturday morning. Good morning if you're waking up with us. Glad you are uh, enjoying your coffee, maybe beginning to eat breakfast. I really, I'm hungry. I have a banana and it's just been sitting here for uh, over two hours staring at me. And I'm not going to get a chance to eat it before 9 o'clock, but then I'm off to a tennis match. I think I'm going to get that in before the rain because we play from... 
10 to probably 11. It's going to go pretty quick. I have a feeling my husband and I playing mixed doubles together for the first time, but it's going to be fun. It's going to be fun. So watching uh, Channel 2 Action News meteorologist Brian Monahan right now kind of go through the forecast for you today and here on the show sponsored by Finley Roofing. It looks like Tropical Storm Claudette, a lot of that rain is going to really start entering the metro Atlanta area right before maybe between 2 and 3 o'clock this afternoon is when you can expect the heavy showers to start and otherwise it's going to be little humid, of course, going to be about 80 degrees today, and you'll have those scattered showers and thunderstorms just increase as the afternoon moves on. Widespread overnight for sure. A rain out for tomorrow for Father's Day, so sorry about that. Isolated severe weather can't be ruled out, so make sure you have all the uh, notifications enabled from Channel 2 Action News and from our WSB radio app. You get those push alerts if the weather starts to go south a little bit. We'll be able to notify you there. And right now on Peachtree Street at 74 degrees, time to do this. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. Your calls coming up in just a little bit, 404-872-0750. But for those of you that don't want to call but you still want to know, what can I do this weekend? Well, yeah, it's going to be wet, so not a whole lot. But how about focusing our attention indoors and all of our houseplants? If you don't have any, you need some. It's something to take care of. It's something to beautify your indoor space. It's a conversation piece. I've gotten more and more over the years from a little... Uh, maidenhair fern to a huge um, monstera plant. Oh my goodness, I've loved the croton that I've been able to keep alive for years and years and just enjoying orchids and things like that indoors. But really focus on keeping them watered. A lot of them don't need any more than, you know, one watering a week. Um, more more deeply than not. That way you're able to just do it once a week. If they're in a really bright window, it may take a little more than that. But sometimes it's safe just to wait for the plant to tell you that it needs water. Don't overwater it. But when it starts to droop just a little bit, right at that very moment, go ahead and provide some water. Fertilizing houseplants when they're in active growth, so you may see new leaves coming on and things like that. It's a great idea to pop some fertilizer in there. And rotating those pots and rotating those containers, if they're stretching toward the sun, you're going to see that. So just turning it about 180 degrees, that way it kind of balances it out and check for bugs. And I know some of you rolled your eyes like, really? And in the last half hour, I said, wipe the leaves down. Because yeah, they collect dust. They collect pet hair. And just like we don't want our pores clogged with dirt and dust and things like that, the leaves don't want that either. So wipe them wipe them off, especially the broader leaf plants, with just a damp cloth. And at that time is a great time to check for bugs on the undersides of the leaves in the soil, that kind of thing. Um, number two, plant herbs. Basil, you're going to love that for summertime meals, things like that. Rosemary, oregano, thyme. Now those are three that are perennials. They're easy to grow. They're going to come back for you every year. Uh, best in full sun and only moderate fertilizer. A lot of herbs aren't heavy feeders. Some do best in raised beds or pots. And we say that because it's easier for you to harvest them and access when you need them. And also that's going to provide better drainage because there's no herb really that likes wet feet, that likes to stay in wet soil. They're not going to do their best. Um, And it's best to collect herbs in late morning. If you know you're going to be using some of those for dinner or maybe for a nice lunch or something like that, late morning is going to be the best time to do it. Rinse them off at that time. Let them air dry. And if you need to preserve them, freezing is an option as well. A lot of folks will just lay them flat in a paper towel and maybe put that paper towel into a Ziploc bag and you'll be able to preserve them for later. Number three, make plant identification a little easier on yourself. I've got the Southern Living Garden Bible uh, that I've had for years. Huge book, but I just don't use that as much anymore because we have apps on our smartphones and there are some free ones that I want to tell you about that you can download. 
and be able to identify plants at a moment's notice when you want to, whether you're on your morning jog or out in a friend's yard and you see something that you like. Google Lens, if you have Google on your phone, Google Lens is right there. When you uh, open it and you see the search bar for Google, there's a picture of a little microphone and then there's a picture of a square with a dot inside it. That's Google Lens. You can identify just about anything. Seek is another good one, S-E-E-K. That's by iNaturalist. Uh, Plant Snap is one all the garden groups that I'm that I'm in on Facebook nationwide. A lot of folks are familiar with Plant Snap. Uh, there's Picture This and there's Plant Net. And also Cornell University has made uh, an outstanding bird identification app. If you need that, search the app store for Merlin Bird ID and you can get that app on your phone to identify birds. I'm seeing all kinds of, of great birds at my feet are still, of course, cardinals, morning doves popping in there every now and then two different varieties of woodpeckers. Uh, Tohi, y'all helped me identify that about a month ago. I had no idea what this black bird was with an orange chest. I knew it wasn't an Oriole. Um, and then a bluebird, and he's bringing, or she is bringing her little babies to the feeder and getting some bird food and some mealworms that I've put out as well. So, so happy to see that. All right, we are ready for Charles Lampkin with Pike Nursery coming up. Great gift ideas for dad. I want you to listen to this, so stay tuned for 10 minutes and then head out to the nurseries because we're going to have some great ideas for you. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries on 95.5 WSB. Covering a lot of ground on the show today. Only 30 minutes left to go. And then Dave Baker and the Home Fix It show up for you at 9 o'clock from 9 to noon. And next Saturday, already planning a pretty fantastic show for you. A conversation with Walter Reeves, of course, at Walter Wonders at 630, talking about composting. I had a lot of questions, and Walter had ways of making it very easy to wear. If you think, oh my gosh, that's way too technical. I don't want to, I don't want to do that. Very simple. Sometimes we overthink it. Getting you interested in composting, that's going to really benefit your garden for sure and help you feel very resourceful, uh, I might add. And I'm going to have a conversation next Saturday too with Suzanne Franklin. She's up in like the Dawson County area of Jungle Paradise Daylilies. I met her at a uh, garden club meeting in Ballground, Georgia, last weekend. And fascinating. Oh my God, beautiful. Like you've never seen in your life Daylilies that she hybridizes and how she got put on the map is a very Hollywood-esque way. People found out more about her. So I'll be having a conversation with Suzanne. And uh, I want to use some parts of my interview from Becky Griffin in the seven o'clock hour next Saturday is too. So much information in case you missed that for you to be able to listen back and find out about pollinators and bees and fireflies and uh, some of the the great work and research that's being done and how you can get involved and be a part of that. Uh, 404-872-0750. First, I want to take Annie's question. She's calling from Huntsville. Good morning. Thanks for listening. Good morning. Thank you so much for taking my call. Um, I have two Bradford pears, fully grown, and when the weather started to warm, they've been dropping leaves, dead leaves, all over the yard. It's now, never happened before. When you see the leaves, are they coming off like in clumps? When you look up at the tree, is there a clump of brown leaves all in one little grouping or no? No, they're okay. just individual leaves. So if, if it's just dropping leaves and you look at the leaves that have fallen and there's no spots or insects or anything that you can see, Annie, I think that may just be due to excessively dry conditions and that's just the, the tree's way of showing stress. 
Um, in which case, well, the thing is, we we've had we had a lot of rain, you know, at the beginning of the summer, well, the warmer weather. Mm-hmm. We had a lot of rain, yeah. Um, so there was no lack of water, and this happened. This has been going on since the weather started warming when we did have a lot of rain. Mm. And no signs so, of anything on the leaves. Have you actually picked them up and looked at them? No spots, no bugs, no no. There's no spots. They're just they're just very dark brown, and they f- fall all the time. And and I can see them. They're all over the tree. The, this has never happened. Hmm. And I just think there's something going on because it just never happened before. I I really. And, oh, go ahead. Uh oh, and also. Um, you know, when when it blooms, it leaves these little, um, I don't know what they are, but anyway, the remnants of the bloom are the blooming, and they almost look like they're burned. They're charred. Okay, so see, that's kind of getting a little more into what, what I feared, and like you said, you may not be noticing it now, but something that looks scorched or crisp or browned like that could be a sign of fire blight. That's a disease that comes on. Um, in the spring, it affects ornamental pears and things like that. Fire blight's a little more serious. Um, when you look up in the tree, oftentimes, though, it's a giveaway. When you see small clumps of areas that are dying out, crisp, black, almost brown leaves. Some of the twigs will even have like a maroonish hint to them. So fire blight in the name, you know, it does look like something's been singed. Um, sometimes there's not any, like one season is not going to be fatal to the tree. One One season of it dealing with fire blight. But if it continues to happen, then that may be uh, eventually detrimental to the tree. So remove affected branches that you see that may resemble that, that where the leaves are grouped together, that they look scorched or the limbs don't quite look right. It's best to prune all of that out. Treatment, though, doesn't need to be done till like late fall. Um, you can talk to a nursery or a big box store about, you know, fire blight, if that is in fact what you've got on the Bradford pears and what the treatment options would be for that. Now's not the time. So right now, Annie, I would just kind of let it go, keep a close eye on it, prune out any affected branches that that look a little scorched or not quite right. But generally, really, it's still going to be okay. Fire blight sounds terrible, but unless it continues on year after year from here on out, it's not going to be harmful to the uh, the Bradford pears for now. Thanks so much for the call. Up next, we have Charles Lampkin with us. He is the manager of the Marietta location of Pike Nursery, and Charles has been on the show before, actually pretty recently. Happy Father's Day to you. Thank you, Ashley. It is your first one as a dad, and are you nervous? Are you worried? Or are you super excited you get some cool gifts tomorrow? You know, a little, a little bit of everything right now. I really don't know what to feel at the moment. Yeah, right. Well, and it's going to be a rain out, so I'm sorry you can't really grill for the family or have have someone grill for you. It's going to be a rain out. My brains game uh, plans are probably washed, unfortunately. Oh, no. but. <laughs> oh, that would have been so nice too. Shoot. All right. Well, we 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 got to get a rain check on that for but, sure. No, we got we got we got better things to talk about. Well, let's keep this conversation positive. <laughs> well, and, and I love it because Father's Day. So you're right. I mean, you're in Pike Nursery every day. You're seeing some great gift ideas, and you guys are kind of walking through, making note. Sure, Mom likes flowers, gifts, but Dad doesn't want to get overlooked. He wants special treatment, some gadgets, fun stuff, just being really active. Um, so Father's Day is tomorrow, and I don't think Dad wants to open. A tie, especially now that we've been working from home and not really going into the office. He doesn't need another tie. T-shirts are clever, sure. But for the dad that is a plant lover and likes working outside, and that's kind of his his downtime and his stress relief, uh, what kind of plants could we get dad that symbolize how much we love him, but he can enjoy 
you know, for the, the next while that he owns the house and is in the house, he can always look at it and think, that was Father's Day. That was a great gift. Well, if, if they are active in the yard and, and they have and they have the time, um, I know if I know if I'm given a shovel and put to work, you know, that that might look <laughs> might look mean by <laughs> my significant other. But to me, it's, it's something that needs to get done. And I, I really enjoy that. So take a look at some of their tools. If uh, some of their handles are broken, um, mattocks are, are worn down or dull. We do offer a, a really good selection of tools uh, for the father as well. Um, and then all the accessories that go with it, a new pair of gloves, um, a, a hat to keep the sun out of their face. Um, so that's I, that'd be more for the for the active active father and pick them out. They're, they're, they're Japanese maple they've been waiting on, the, the hydrangeas that are in full bloom right now. You know, pick them out that plant that they know uh, could really make an impact in, in their yard at home. Well, and how proud, too, to really be able to establish something like a Japanese maple that's going to be such a showstopper or hydrangeas that give us, you know, such joy every spring and summer for years and years and years with just minimal effort, just all about digging the right hole. Those plants are going to thrive for years. Um, I mean, really not too many different guidelines, Charles, when you're talking about establishing a dogwood or a Japanese maple versus a hydrangea or some kind of shrub, basic rule of thumb for digging the right hole. If dad's not quite sure, how does he need to do that? Just make sure the hole is wide, two to three times as wide as, as the root ball or, or the bucket itself. And don't plant them any deeper than the soil level uh, that's in the container. You you want it to be ground level yours. In fact, even raise it up an inch because there's going to be settling now that you've kind of you churned up the, the earth around around where you're going to plant this tree. And that's a simple rule of thumb for 99% of anything you're going to plant in the ground. And how deeply, um, when we get a lot of these trees from Pike Nursery and they're in, you know, a larger container, how deeply do we need to put those in the ground? Like at what point of the trunk do we kind of look at where the soil needs to come up to, but then no further? Well, the soil level that's in the container, while the container might be a little bit higher than the actual soil level in the tree, you will see the soil level in the container. You'll actually see the top of the, of the, of the root ball. And you want to expose that root ball maybe about an inch um, right above your soil level. Um, yeah, so just don't ever plant anything too deep. Um, but most most of the plants uh, we're selling, you're going to really not need a hole any deeper than a foot and a half or, or two feet deep. Good. And making sure those roots are kind of teased and spread out with your fingers as they lay, right. you know, horizontally right. along the ground. Um, backfill that with the dirt you dug out. Is there any other amender? Maybe we should pick up a bag of something else for Dad to throw if, in. If you're, if you're digging in full clay, yeah, some soil amendments, some good starter fertilizer, especially if we're trying to get these plants uh, established going into this, uh, into this summer. Um, but, yes, yeah, uh, so that, that's definitely for for your active father, or, or maybe the the son or daughter can can plant the the tree for their dad. But we have some we have some dads that are at our store um, that just don't have the time of you know don't have the time to really get into the garden, but really want that that yard of their dreams or that mm-hmm. that backyard oasis, their their fire pits, their their uh, their decks, their um, you know, whatever, whatever their dream is, this is something that gets overlooked at times. Um, but we can offer a full array of services to make that backyard or make that front yard, you know, something that the father's always wanted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, something like a pick and plant service that you guys have had for a number of years. 
you can go in, pick out the plants that you know dad's going to enjoy in the landscape, stuff that's low maintenance, and then y'all's landscaping partners come plant them for you. So dad could have a beer while those are being installed, and voila, that's really easy. Right. Pay someone else to dig the holes. Correct. <laughs> yeah. And and that's if that's if you know kind of what you want to do, if, if you know the tree you want, if you know the kind of plantings you want. And if you don't have a clue, let our let our pipe designers come out to your house and really inspire you and give you that plan, give you that plan of your dreams. Um, and then from there, again, it's, it's pretty, you're, no, hand, no hands are involved, no, no hole digging. Your hands don't have to get dirty if that's what you don't like to do or don't have the time to do. Um, so inspiration from our designers, and that's where some of your, some of your backyard oasis can come, come alive, your, your fire pits, um, even, even sod. I mean, I don't, I don't know who doesn't want a really, really nice yard, especially mm-hmm. if you're getting a lot of sun. Let one of our pike associates, not even our designers, we can come over and do a consult at your house and measure your area for sod. If you want to get that, if you want to get that really nice yard going that you can make all the other dads in the neighborhood jealous of. And with the, the custom design and like Charles, when you're saying an associate comes out and kind of works with you, you don't have to know about you know, how much sun does this area receive and all that kind of stuff. Like they can kind of get a feel for what would belong in the design and what would work in your conditions or by the, the uh, flip of the coin, you can be very specific and say, I know I want this pathway. I know I want this and this. Discuss it with the designer, your preferences, your lifestyle, which I'll use that space for. It doesn't even have to be a large space at all. Just something like you said, dad is envisioned, whether it's a nice path or a fire pit or something like that. Pike can do all of that. Right. Right. And oftentimes, whether it's the, the home consult from our store or the pike design team coming out for your house, we're going to use what's already there as our reference. We're going to know what plants are in the area, what kind of sun and water restrictions they like. And then we can go from there on, on recommending you the right plants because that's what we want to do. We want to make sure we get the right plants in your area. Yes, we want to make sure you like them and mm-hmm. that they're going to fit and, and match the rest of your yard. But we want to in, ensure the success of the plant material. And also one more thing, one other kind of, you know, department in your store, Charles, when I go to the Town Lake store, I always hook a left to go look at the birding section. We're celebrating my father-in-law next weekend for Father's Day and his 80th birthday. But if it weren't for him and the nice back deck he used to have out at Lake Lanier, I don't know that my husband and I would be avid bird watchers that we are if it weren't for like the days we spent there. Thank you for mentioning that. Oh, Um, I love that. I I give my dad probably... 20 to 40 pounds of seed every other week. <laughs> uh, we have five feeders set up on his back deck for him. And this is an area I thoroughly enjoy is our, is our birding department. So really, I, I can't thank you enough for bringing that up. But we have, we have all the feeders, the houses, uh, the seed. Uh, we can try to help your, your squirrel problems. Um, we'll, we'll do our best. Humans are going to go on for generations trying to <laughs> outsmart the squirrels. <laughs> <laughs> But no, we're we are fully stocked, and um, we we have never seen um, the increase in our birding department like we have over the past year. Just everyone getting involved, the enthusiasm for it, and it's for all ages. Um, birding is definitely for all ages. Um, so really, really good gift ideas I, uh, within our birding department. I love that the feeders and the the bird baths and bird houses and things like that. That's a great portion of the store. Before you even get out to the greenhouse. Go check that out as well. Well, Charles, thank you for the great ideas. So whether it's landscape design or, or pick and plant that we're interested in or just finding the locations, how do we find you guys online? 
Well, go to our go to our website, and there you'll see all of our locations and even a little tidbit on our services we offer. Uh, for ideas and inspiration, check out our Instagram page. Um, our marketing department is doing a, a great job there. And feel free to give any one of our stores a call. Ask us any details or any questions you have, and we'll be more than happy to help you. Yeah, shout out to Desiree and Brittany for the great marketing oh, stuff that definitely. they do. Yeah, definitely. so I love it. PikeNursery.com. And don't forget gift cards for Dad, too. Well, Charles, I hope you have a really relaxing day. And again, congratulations on being a new dad. Thank you very much. All right. I can't wait till the next time we talk. Charles Lampkin from the Marietta store. He'll definitely be back on the show. 404-872-0750. Almost time to close it out. We'll come back with the top three things you can do this soggy, wet weekend. I promise you there are three good ones. We'll be back to WSB. The weather update brought to you by Finley Roofing. Today, rain. Tomorrow, rain. And there's rain and scattered thunderstorms in the forecast for the beginning of your work week as well. But things could get a little severe in the overnight hours and at times tomorrow. So be weather aware for sure. Download the WSB radio app for uh, alerts and updates when things get a little strange. Highs this weekend, both days around 80 degrees. Green, green, and growing. Ashley Frasca's top three things to do this weekend. So when I made this list, I had it in mind that it was going to be a little soggy. Get out and mow the grass now. If it needs to be done, you know, that rain is just going to sprout up another couple of inches in no time. So uh, get out there early and mow if you need to. But number one, so talking about making plant identification a lot easier on yourself, free apps you can download. I have a list for you. Google Lens, Seek by iNaturalist, uh, Plant Snap. Picture this, plant net. Those are a few really good ones. And talking about birds, we were talking about hummingbirds earlier with Judy and uh, Charles with memories of his father from Pike Nursery and my father-in-law seeing birds, bird watching and not knowing what birds you're looking at. Uh, Cornell University has an app out there, Merlin Bird ID, M-E-R-L-I-N, Merlin Bird ID. And that is a good one for uh, bird identification. Number two, watering and fertilizing house plants. Now, don't forget about those and pick up a house plant for dad to make him think of you while he's at the office. It's a fun little plant to have on his desk. Uh, rotate it 180 degrees or so if they're facing a really sunny window and start to lean. Check for bugs, too. And number three, plant herbs. That's always something good you could be doing. Basil is like an annual. It's going to die out at the end of the year. But ones that come back, you can put in large pots or in a raised bed. Rosemary, oregano, thyme. Easy to grow. They do need full sun, though, just to require a moderate amount of fertilizer and put them in pots just because of ease of access, right? That's going to be best for you to get to when you need them for cooking um, or drinks, depending if you have mint or something like that that you want to use. And good drainage, too. Pots will provide good drainage for those. And collect your herbs early or late in the morning, rather, like early afternoon. That's the best time to do them. Bring them in, rinse them, let them dry, and then you can use them that afternoon for uh, lunch or dinner. So it's been a fun show. My thanks to all of my guests, Becky Griffin from UGA, of course, Walter Reeves. We had a really good conversation about uh, tomato cages and trellises and stakes and things for various plants in your vegetable garden. And also to Charles Lampkin from Pike Nursery with some great Father's Day gift ideas. Get him a gift card at Pike Nursery, too, if you just are running out of time, but you still have time. It's tomorrow morning. So next week on the show... With your calls, your questions, I love hearing from you, what you're curious about, what you're seeing. 404-872-0750 is the number to get to me next week, to get to Dave Baker, who's already almost treading in on my territory right now, starting the Home Fix-It show at uh, at 9 o'clock, and Belinda Skelton's going to be on Atlanta Living at 1 o'clock. But next Saturday, talking more about pollinators 
and what great ways to get involved and just properly identifying the flying insects that you're seeing and why we really want to keep them around and why we need them and talking everything about day lilies with Suzanne Franklin from up in the Dawson County area and composting. I have a lot of questions for Walter about composting and we'll get into details about that. May even reach out to Joe Lample too. He knows a lot about that, Joe Gardner. So it's been a fun Saturday. Stay dry. Happy Father's Day to those of you who are so important in your children's lives. Enjoy the weekend. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.